there's no doubt that the old politics of the two-party system is now gone and over. I don't need lectures from you or anybody on, on the Sinn Féin side of the house. We're very reluctant to kind of say what's red lines, but, but we do have to take climate seriously. There's going to be constant criticism, there's going to be a lot of disappointment, and whoever goes into government is going to be unpopular. Okay. So you're very welcome again to RTE's Your Politics podcast. With me, our correspondent, Michal Lahan, also Sarachini Reid of North TG Car, and we'll be joined presently by our editor, David Murphy. Um, Let's start, Michal, with kind of, I suppose, the topic of the week, energy, the lack of it, and whether the lights are going to be staying on this winter. Yeah, apparently, by and large, the lights are going to be staying on, according to the Thonister, but maybe not quite all the time. But if they do go out, it'll only be for a very short time, and there won't be any major, extensive nationwide blackouts, he said, in the Dáil just a few hours ago. And the main reason for that is not just that there is a, they seem a little bit more confident about supply perhaps than others and also the fact that the big data centres would come offline first uh, before households, farms and businesses were affected. But equally though, while there's a degree of reassurance within that, it, it was by no means a, an absolute reassurance either. Yes, and I mean, we're in a week, Saracha, where, you know, the the credits that people are getting from the government this winter, well, the increase is coming on the new bills. They've pretty much eaten that up. So there's the cost of energy on the one hand, but there's also critically for the government and a country that's relying on UK gas and warning about potential power cuts over there today. There's the issue of cost and security. Yeah, absolutely. And I suppose one of the kind of arguments that has been going on in Leinster House all week has been this issue for people who are on the pay-as-you-go system. I didn't realise there were so many of them, like 340,000 people in the country relying on this pay-as-you-go. And in times past, apparently, you could get a text at like 12 o'clock in the day and two hours later, if you hadn't topped up your electricity, it would be cut off. Now, I understand that that system has changed now and that the government have provided whereby there'll be a 20 euro credit for people and that'll kick in. And also that you can't be cut off at the weekend. But then that beggars the question. You know, if your account is very low on Saturday morning and you race through the electricity, is there a possibility you could be cut off on Monday morning and, you know, you're running down to MABS or your local social welfare officer somewhere trying to get it sorted out? I know the uh, Tarnished has said in the Dáil today that Eamon Ryan is having meetings with the energy companies to try and sort that out so that these people won't be cut off and that they'll be part of the moratorium that's due to come in in December. But... um it's hard to imagine how they're going to sort that. And there's a lot of talk about no disconnections, but the point about pay as you go is you have to pay to be connected in the first place, so you would be automatically disconnected if you don't have money. And the pay as you go, that's not just on your electricity, David, that's also on gas, and gas is going to be one of the key problems this winter. Yeah, I think so. It was interesting to hear the um, Taoiseach and the Doyle yesterday talk about uh, what's going to happen with gas prices in future. And um, there is a futures market in gas where basically you can book ahead if you are a supplier to buy gas into the future. So currently the price of gas, I was just looking at it there, is around, it's priced in sterling. So it's around uh, £2.50 sterling. It used to be around 40p two years ago. And he spoke, the Taoiseach spoke about it going to £4.50 Um next year. So if we think about it, firstly, that's going to translate immediately into gas prices. Uh, and obviously, a lot of our electricity is generated by gas. 
And the other thing to bear in mind is that we're particularly reliant on gas to fill the gap when the wind doesn't blow. The whole uh, strategy in Ireland is to go for renewables as much as we can. A lot of that is going to be wind. And when the wind isn't blowing, we've got to get our power from somewhere. And the idea is that we get it from gas. So that's that's quite a tricky situation. And those numbers are quite uh, sobering. Having said that, in Europe at the moment, there's been a slight drop in gas prices um, over the past few days. And the, the one heartening thing that's happened is that you'll have heard a lot of EU leaders talking about building up gas storage. Well, they seem to have done a relatively good job of that. The only issue in Ireland is that we don't have that kind of gas storage. And obviously, uh, gas storage and LNG and where it comes from and where it's built, uh, that's all a bit of a political hot potato. And in terms of gas, Michal, we have learnt from Airgrid this week. And is, is there a bit of a political blame game going on about the fact that it appears in the coming years we've got way more demand than we have supply? Yeah, there is. And there's no doubt that the programme for government was crafted with a view to reducing the reliance on fossil fuels. But all of a sudden, uh, that is no longer possible. So it's against that backdrop that difficulty arises. And you can see the reliance on gas and the impact on the energy bills when Electric Ireland told an Oireachtas committee this week that it used to make account for 30% uh, of the bill. It's now making up 60% uh, of the bill, of the impact uh, on bills. That's doubled. And also that the wholesale energy costs that Electric Ireland had two years ago were 300 million. Now is going to top 2 billion uh, quite soon. So that those kind of differences uh, make uh, the dilemma for government, very real indeed. And also when it comes to that big question of the week, how do you guarantee the, and there was a commitment, the language is very clear from the Taoiseach, initially at least, and from others in government as well, that absolute guarantee that people on pay-as-you-go wouldn't be cut off. How do you achieve that? And I think the most logical solution, it seems at the moment, is that that credit buffer, which stands at €20, would have to be extended out to €100. I think on the wider point, though, you're probably seeing something here around the language of COVID and the absolute guarantees that could be given politically during the pandemic aren't as easy to deliver this time. Uh, And I think that's where some of the difficulties probably arise. I just wonder, one of the interesting things about it was that um, we had a very choreographed announcement in the budget of the three energy credits. And it was only after the budget when it was raised by the Solidarity TD, Mick Barry in the Doyle, this issue of the people who are on the pay-as-you-go system what exactly is going to happen to them? Because obviously the system is you put money in and once your money runs out, it it cuts out. And these are the most vulnerable. These are the people on the lowest incomes. And it seems to have been something of an oversight by the government that they didn't actually consider this particular issue when they were coming about crafting the budget and doing that work. And it was supposed to be a cost of living budget tackling the energy crisis. Yeah, and also we're learning this week at the committee, of course, that the definition of vulnerable is medically vulnerable, whereas a lot of people are thinking about people who are financially vulnerable, particularly to these bills that are coming up. So that's a space that we'll be watching. And Saracha, the other issue that's been concerning TDs this week, the issue of concrete blocks and that levy. Yeah, that has been uh, very strange, really, because... When you speak to backbenchers in Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael, they've all been so confident about it that, you know, this will be dealt with in the finance bill. It's not something to worry about. We don't want the price of houses, the price of extensions, the price of sheds on farms. I think Regina Doherty mentioned in a doorstep earlier on this week, you know, we, we they were saying there's no way they could accept a situation where the cost on those would increase. And there was this 
you know, it was a bit like magical thinking, thinking that they could do something about it in the finance bill. Because I think today that the Thornish just said in a doorstep um, where he was asked about it, well, he was saying, well, you know, a concrete block is a concrete block. So if you put a tax on a concrete block, well, I suppose that is going to make it more. I'm paraphrasing now before so anyone jumps in, but he was more or less insinuating, well, how do you put a tax on on something without the price going up? So it just, I don't know how they're going to sort that one out, to be honest. There just do seem to be some issues with this. For example, they're doing it at a time when there's concern about big inflation in terms of construction costs at a time when they're trying to do everything they can to get more housing built. And then there's the question of fairness in a sense that they're trying to effectively uh, punish people uh, in relation to what's happened in relation to Micah and Pyrite, but they're not necessarily punishing the culprits. So there's a few problems with that. I know the government has put forward the argument that we have put levies on industries in the past. We saw it in insurance where there was a, a levy put on in relation to what happened with Quinn insurance and the cost that had to be borne there. And so that while there is a principle there, at that time, there wasn't an issue with insurance mm. products and the price of insurance products. There is an issue with the price of uh, materials for building construction. So you just question the timing and the environment into which this levy is being introduced. And Michal, I know the government were, you know, pointing to various opposition claims in the past about there should be a levy to pay for this and so on. But at the same time, can they come up with a fudge? Where can they come up with a fudge that's going to keep the backbenchers, the senators, all those members of the parliamentary party who are having special meetings and discussions about all of this and very worried? Can they come up with a fudge to keep them happy? They won the vote this week. How secure are those numbers? Well, there'll have to be a fudge. And I suppose the Fianna Fáil meeting on Tuesday afternoon, which will be chaired by Michael McGrath and Dara O'Brien, are going to begin that work. And there's equal concern, I think, among Fine Gael backbenchers uh, as well as the Fianna Fáil ones. So I think ultimately government will be adamant at the top table that the principle has to be established here. And you could see a major watering down on the actual amount that could be generated from this. And they can walk away and say, but yet the principle that there will be a payback from the industry of some kind. Once that's established, uh, I think it's But the idea of this being a kind of a major revenue raiser. I think that's dissipating fairly quickly for political expediency. So is it up to Michael McGrath to come up with the magic wand solution here? Or Dara. Dara gets it done. Isn't that the catchphrase? <laughs> By the way, it looks as though Michael McGrath might be getting his pay talks looking at some of the initial votes. We know for sure tomorrow. Yeah, there seems to be an expectation now that that deal is, is almost done and gets across the line, benefiting hundreds of thousands of public servants and also pensioners, about 200,000 pensioners. Yes, indeed. And uh, if it does hold, would certainly give the government some measure of, you know, security. Yeah, certainly the, industrial is the key word within government yeah. and it will run up until the end of 2023. One area, Sirica, where we've had an awful lot of uncertainty, of course, is around the Northern Ireland Protocol. Now, Liz Truss and her new Tory government, uh, they've been having various uh, misfortunes since coming to power and uh, the market's taking a jaundiced view. But in Dublin, some hope of a reset. We had that apology from Steve Baker, the very strong Brexiteer uh, over treatment of Dublin and EU concerns earlier in the week. Uh, the technical talks are going ahead. So, and we have, of course, the DUP meeting this weekend. Yeah, yeah, I think there is a certain amount of optimism, shall we say, about uh, a shift maybe in the thinking in the UK about this and I hope that there will be advances. I thought it was interesting this morning um, 
the Minister for Foreign Affairs, Simon Coveney, was answering questions in the Dáil and he was asked about this particular issue and he said, well, to be honest, he said, less is more, <laughs> as in the less we say about this, the better, because that's sometimes when there's constant talk about it, that it kind of interferes with the talks. And I thought, again, the Taoiseach was asked about it. He's in Prague at this um, European political community meeting um, and he was asked about this and he more or less said the same thing, kind of, you know, that the constant um, reporting on this issue is not helpful where the talks are concerned and that they are hoping that progress would be made. But he really didn't go into it any in any great depth. It's a bit like the Labour Court when there's a dispute on, isn't it? When Whenever they don't talk and whenever there's no news coming on... You, yeah. Well, then, you know, there's something going on behind the scenes whenever they're all out talking to you. <laughs> right. uh, there's usually a problem. But Jeffrey Donaldson has to come up with a position in his speech this weekend. It's going to be tricky for the DUP, given the corner they've backed themselves into, David, isn't it? It is. Well, I think it comes against a backdrop of very much changing demographics in the north um, with the information in the census, uh, which shows the balance tilting in favour of people who describe themselves uh, as Catholic. I think the other thing as well is that um, the UK Prime Minister Liz Truss saying the time is now right to get Stormont back up and running. The difficulty for the DUP is that they haven't extracted a major concession because the Northern Ireland Protocol is still there. Uh, what the UK government is saying is that it's going to open talks with the EU, which is music to the ears of the Irish government. But it's difficult to see what uh, Geoffrey Donaldson can point to to say, OK, well, I will go back in and we will uh, get the administration back up and running in Belfast. So you'd have this sense that they could simply continue to block things, slide into another election, and then you'd have to ask yourself, would the result of that election be any different to um, the previous one? So that's certainly a space uh, we'll all be watching uh, this weekend. On that point, I think there, despite the words of Steve Baker, there is a sense here to uh, the unsaid line that they don't want this to in any way descend into a bilateral negotiation between Dublin and London. So despite the kind of public uh, optimism, uh, there is a degree of caution around that particular uh, possible approach. Indeed, and, and, and the devil the will be in well the detail. The protocol yeah. bill hasn't been taken off the agenda. I think yeah. it's due in the House of Lords next week. So... <laughs> they're on the one hand yeah. signalling we're going to make some progress and on the other hand carrying on with their plan. As Is it like it. someone arriving with a bunch of flowers at the 11th hour? Is how we're, uh, <laughs> yeah, but then even if they come with the box of chocolates as well, she's still got to persuade all the people on her own side if she signs up and does a deal and that could be a whole. Well, I think she's got a bunch of flowers and a revolver. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that may be more appropriate. Um, let's talk about uh, that's next weekend the DUP uh, or Desh, let's uh, or conference. Let's talk about last weekend the Fianna Fáil or Desh. and Michal. We saw Michal Martin after all those COVID disappointments for the first time as Taoiseach able to speak in person to his party faithful for the first time and the last time as Taoiseach. Mm -hmm. And therein lies the challenge for Michal Martin. It is around that rotation in December, and that small enough group within his own party who are perpetually thinking uh, about just how long more he will be at the helm. And I think that probably still takes a bit of resolution in the next few weeks. And if something doesn't, re if there isn't a major schmazzle in that mm -hmm. period, uh, when when is the, the more longer term succession plan going to be put in place? But of course, feeding into all that, a huge factor 
uh, Fianna Fáil at parliamentary party meeting level have had peace for quite some time, whether that's a contrived peace, a peace born out of oppression or for whatever reason. Uh, but Mac McSharry making it known that his return to the parliamentary party is inevitable uh, raises questions about all those particular issues. And uh, at the moment, we're awaiting, are we, Sarah, could the result of a discussion between Hall Martin and Mark McSharry is his route back into Fianna Fáil entirely clear? Is there a question of process here in fairness? Well, I don't know about that. I mean, um, I was only at the Ardesh on Friday night. I felt that there was great optimism around Michal Martin that time and he, the amount of times he answered questions about his leadership in terms of I'm very happy where I am and uh, he was just very optimistic about the future and not conceding at all that he might have to go and it varies, it depends on who you speak to in Fianna Fáil about whether it'll happen in uh, coming mm. up to Christmas time or whether it'll happen coming up to the summer time or not we just don't know Was it the examiner Michael McGrath said he uh, at the Ordesh over the weekend that he wouldn't be part of a heave against Michal Martin and certainly it seemed to me the past couple of weeks between uh, the budget and you know the various moves and obviously he's coming up to the, the big job in finance Michael McGrath is it a case of uh, as Norma Foley said about Michal Martin cometh the hour cometh the man David Well yeah. You know, Michael McGrath has put in a solid performance in public expenditure and reform. It would seem that the path is now clear for him to become uh, finance minister. So he obviously is going to be quite high profile in the uh, reformatted government. Having said that, look, there's a, there is a cabal of um, people within Fianna Fáil who do want to see Micheál Martin shifted. But it doesn't seem as if they're in the majority. And I think many people would ask themselves after his... Uh, the recent big events like the budget, what sort of difference would a new leader actually make? But we'll have to see. He does seem to have more of a positive glow about him at that Ardesh than perhaps some of his detractors um, would agree with. How he handles the Mark Bakshari readmission or non-readmission is probably a a test, though, uh, in the next week or so. As it stands, I think the leadership are of the view that Mark Bakshari has to reapply for membership. He's saying under the rules that date back to 1993, he doesn't. It is akin in some ways to Tommy Gorman and Roy Keane and that whole issue of take me back. What do you mean? (laughs) And who moves first and who apologises first uh, uh, and all of that. Uh, Micheál Martin was insisting, of course, at the weekend that this rotation at the top that it's a sign of strength and that he's actually going to have more time to commit to his party. And while we hear a lot from these Fianna Fáil disgruntled backbenchers, how significant are they in numbers? At best, 12, uh, I would think. And if Mark McSharry comes back, he would be the first uh, name on the team sheet that the others would build around. So that's interesting. But I don't sense that there is enough there for a major uh, pressure move at at this point. But I think there will be some demonstration uh, of their numbers before Christmas. And it's been, there's still been a bit this week, Sarika, hasn't there, of a, a, a kind of a post-budget lull about the place. There hasn't really yeah, been. Yeah, it's strange because it has been, since COVID, I suppose, you know, Leinster House has been very quiet to get back to normality, if you like. And um, I did hear that there were a big crowd in the Dáil Bar after the budget on Tuesday night and that the, the canteen was jammers at 11 o'clock. So, 
you know, maybe that's an indication of things getting back to normal. As as a contrast to that, I suppose, you know, there was very little drinking on the outskirts of the Fianna Fáil Ardesh, according to the, all the reports that I heard. So I don't know if that's any indication of how they're doing as a party or not. But Yeah, the pubs and balls bridge much emptier than they would have been in the good old days, Michal. In the good old days, yeah. It, it's a different, but of course that probably has something to do with the hotel prices and that other particular problem uh, in, in Dublin and indeed across the country. Uh, yes, and the the other thing, of course, that Fianna Fáil had on the agenda was their big uh, kind of renewal document that James Lawless had been working on. Any big headlines out of that? No, I don't think so. But that is all to do with Fianna Fáil saying that it has a problem with its identity. Uh, but those who sit at, at ministerial desks say that they are absolutely clear on what their aims are. I think it would be interesting for the second half of this government, though, when elections come into sight and you get those questions about asserting identity, what the James Lawless document will mean in that context will be interesting to watch. Yes, well, we'll be watching it all and we hope uh, you stay watching it with us. Thank you for joining us. Please subscribe to the podcast and leave a review and we'll talk to you again next week. Goodbye from your politics.